normal to human jaw, that's strength, which is strong. Yeah, yeah, you could bite off your own finger if you wanted to. Right. In prison. And so could snappy well, You are listening to Urban Wildlife Podcast. Hey, podcast listeners. We had such a great time talking with Tobias Landberg in episode 13 that we decided to post some of the extra conversation that we didn't get a chance to include. Hope you enjoy. I also just thought it was, there, also we have some neat stories here, not so much on the Pondrel side, but in the Mexico side, and also um, with Tobias's story about like the the value of urban call it urban green space for 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 research and for for teaching. Um, and Tony, remind us what you did for your, what you've been doing for your master's thesis. Well, the research has been done for you. what you did the for your actual, master's well, thesis. The actual, I use the past tense. Yeah. Well, I, I looked at. Um, Invertebrate populations on native shrubs compared with invasive shrubs, well, alien invasive shrubs, and to see, um, basically looking at bird food to see what was, you know, if indeed, the general thought is that invasive, alien invasive species has less, produce less insects because the insects that live here did not evolve with those plants so they can't overcome the toxins in the leaves. Yeah. So there's going to be less of them. So that's what I looked at, and yeah. Like I mean, Japanese knotweed versus our native smartweeds? Yeah. Right. In, in this case, looking at a... Unfortunately, I wanted to do three of each, but I could only find in any good numbers two of each. Um, and, um, only, and only because of ma- active management at John High's National Wildlife Refuge was there any viburnum in any number to, to sample. Um, I've found a few arrowwood viburnums throughout this, you know, Cobbs Creek, but just here or there. The vast majority I'm sure like 95% of what I sample was all in Heinz um, and the spice bush just happens to be um, not palatable to deer that's, that's right. the thought so there's still plenty of spice bush around um, but other than that it, it was all um, multi-floor rows and especially um, the bush the Asian bush honeysuckle is mostly uh, amber honeysuckle but there's some you know other ones in there did you so you chose to study Multi-four rows. I didn't want to. I was hoping that. But <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta go with what's there. Yeah, if I did, if I did, if I chose to was the Hicken as my site, I could have used Privet, which would have been much more pleasant to, to study. Um, what's Privet? It's a, it's one of the common hedges, you know. Okay. Um, I could put cameras up or whatever, but they they would get stolen. <laughs> you know, um, I couldn't put traps up because I guess you know it was very yeah. limited what I could what I could do. So, so what try- did you find in terms of the invertebrate? It's about two to one on the natives. in terms of numbers, diversity, numbers and diversity. Dang. Well, there you yeah. go. Huh. And the stuff that you were finding was that stuff that was eating, or was it just hanging out? Is it hanging out? You know, a lot of it was a lot of it was spiders. What I found was a lot of spiders, which mm-hmm. I assume means that there's they're feeding on something. That, you know. Um, but a lot of plant, a lot of like uh, plant hoppers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell you what, with that, my numbers might even be skewed um, a bit with that because they're so hard to catch. The hoppers. Yeah, and they were they were on the native plants. They were on the, the viburnum especially, and it just what we're doing is mimicking bird foraging. We would time ourselves, um, you know, mm-hmm. and then and basically how many captures per per minute. I was using high school students, you know, as my. Uh, Predator, yeah, because that's who I work with, and um, and they're great because they don't show bias. They just want to catch everything, 
So, like, if I was to take, like, <laughs> students, like, undergrads or something, they'd probably be like, well, I'm not going to find anything on multi-floor rows. But these students, they just, all they want to do is find stuff. So they're, like, the best field assistants. Um, but plant hoppers are so hard to catch that, you know, there's so many of them that we probably... Yeah. We, That's where netting would have really been handy. Right, but, yeah. you know, it's it's... Just challenges. I'm going to tell you, working in the urban environment, you know, I mean, just field in general, but then make it in the urban. That's why there's so few urban studies. Remember what you did in Boston with the It's really groups? cool that you were working with high school students, though. You kind of snuck that in. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really hard. I've worked with young students of Tony, lots of different Tony ages. We launched and ran a, what was called a docent. Go ahead. Yeah, we did a, like a junior docent program. I don't like the term junior because they were the only docents. Um, other than me, um, and it's this one park, and it was a nonprofit. That I was working as a consultant at the water department in partnership with a nonprofit in West Philly. So, and the program eventually became it's still running now. Yeah. While West Philly, where we take high school students and train them to be naturalists in the park, and they're these kids are these kids are awesome. These kids are See, awesome. I, I want your students to be my students. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we need people like you sending those kids to college so that they have experience and they bring interests like that uh, to bear. I mean, getting those head starts are are huge. I've seen it. You you asked about what I was doing in in New England. Um, I, I worked with... High school students in in Hartford, um, on uh, Hartford, Connecticut, which is you know very urban, and this was a, a job readiness uh, summer program that these kids were working in. Uh, they had to apply to get into the program, but you know these are 16, 15 year old kids. Some of them, you know, already were having their own kids. These are uh, young people that had never been swimming, never been on a boat. When you ask them what kind of careers they wanted to be, it was all pavement and asphalt, you know, cops, hairdressers. That was their big dreams. That's what they saw. That's what they knew. And what we did was we exposed them to people who do science. We had, um, you know, people from uh, Parks and Recs, we got them their um, their boat license. We got them building traps to put out on the water and trap. Um, we, were, we were studying snapping turtles and we had, you know, a lot of people invested in this, including the National Geographic Society, who uh, designed a camera that we could outfit on snapping turtles and do remote imaging, wow. let the turtle go and let it film its own environment. These are big, hard-to-study animals that live in very difficult, complex, and and complicated habitat. They're also burrowers. Um, they don't scrape the cameras right off. They uh, they do go under stuff, and we have we've had some issues with uh, the cameras getting tangled. We've we've yeah. built them so that they come off. As opposed to tangling, tangling, up, the turtle, tangling yeah. up the turtle. But um, by the end of the program, you know, the kids were talking about being, you know, wildlife officers and doctors. And I mean, you name it, their worlds had, had opened up and, and it was it was a big deal. And that's that's honestly, you know, it was amazing to, to watch them change in the course of a few weeks from something, you know, it, it was a 
big production, but it's really kind of simple in a way. You take kids outside, you know, yeah. and you show them what you can do out there. Get them off the pavement. Yeah. Um, so that that project, we you know, it also turned out we got some really cool data from from this. We've we've learned about Hartford's snapping girls. Well, we we started in Hartford. It turns out that that's not the best habitat to film in. Uh, the environment was. I think it's a bunch of mud. It was no. murky. It was polluted. Um, it uh, was the video quality was was not great, and so and through various uh, you know the, the way these things works out, um, some of our partners couldn't stay in on the team, and so we moved to different partners in different places. But okay. I mean, we've been going since two thousand and seven, and so it's two thousand and sixteen now. Um, we have been doing doing this almost every year um, with a lot of different partners. Right now, uh, we have amazing partners with Mystic Aquarium. Uh, the National Geographic Society is still involved, and the Tributary Mill Conservancy is is the sort of boots on the ground organization uh, that they're actually working with young kids. They have these young river stewards that are trapping the turtles and, and bringing the turtles in. And then the team swoops in and we, and we collect health data. And um, our, our approach has been to try to learn about snapping turtles and educate people about the health Risks and the way that we can study the health of the turtle to understand the health of of the environment, and because snapping turtles are actually something that people eat, and it's actually a delicacy here, right here in Philadelphia, you Book get binders. snapping turtle soup. In yeah, but if you want something to se- to sequester exactly interesting chemicals, so you take a fatty animal that the top of the food chain that lives for that lives fifty years. Forever, <laughs> and right because so some of these animals may have been around before the EPA was even invented, yeah. right? The Environmental Protection Agency. So, and you know, but I was just thinking for our listeners, like we always talk about what cool animals are you seeing in your urban environment, and like I bet a lot of our listeners in the, in other parts of the world have no idea that this unbelievably massive prehistoric looking. Turtle lives in, you know, yeah. like they didn't even know it exists. But Adults they will be 25 pounds up to, have you ever seen 50 pounders? Or? Uh, we, we trapped a 55 pounder, um, which then, in kilograms is at least 20, 25 kilograms. Something. And they're, they're impressive beasts. I mean, they, they have long necks, they, they have attitude, they have attitude, <laughs> they have big claws. I mean, people talk about their oh. heads, and it's easy, frankly, it's you hold them right, it's easy to avoid their heads, even mm-hmm. though they snap at you. You can't avoid their claws. The claws will dig into you no matter how you, how you get them. Yeah, they're like 16-penny nails. And the, and the, what would always deli- amazes me, delights me about snapping turtles is if I find them in a marsh, um, maybe grab it, take a look at it, you put it down, and the thing's gone in, like, seconds. And you think, like, this has happened more than once where I've, like, my camera's in my pocket, my phone's in my pocket... When I get a picture, I'm like, all right, I'll just feel around the mud and grab it again after, if it gets away, and then I'll take a picture of it then. But no, you start feeling around the mud, it's not there anymore. And I I once released one at the edge of a muddy pond, and it was like what happens in the Bugs Bunny cartoon. When Bugs Bunny goes underground, you see the the furrow of earth earth receding. Mm -hmm. And like I saw this, like, 
the the snapping turtle like the trail head of mud like descend into the pond. The things is that they're so they're really powerful burrowers. Um, How powerful are their jaws? Is it people? For comparable to human jaw strength, which is strong. Yeah, yeah, you could bite off your own finger if you wanted to. Right. And so could snapping turtle. But people are like, uh, someone told me that it was a little bit inflated. They're like, you could snap a broom handle. I'm like, I don't know about that. but Yeah, there, there has been a study of bite force in, in uh, snapping turtles, and, and, and it's impressive. I can't, I can't tell you um, exactly how powerful they are. Um, they're not the, actually the most powerful jaws in the turtle world, um, sort of. Pound for pound, um, the, the most powerful ones are the uh, mud and musk turtles. That <laughs> really, they little guys all <coughs> hurt if they get your hands. Yeah. Well, they feed on on snails and mollusks for a living. Oh, so like, the, and uh, some of them get really big, like the loggerhead musks, like that kind of thing. Well, there's the there's the Central American ones, the Claudius and and mm-hmm. and those guys, and and I watched when they were doing this study uh, in in the early 2000s or late ni- 1900s <laughs> no, and, um, in the in the 90s and they had a, the bitometer it's literally a force transducer with two pieces of metal sticking out and they'd stick it in this turtle's face and it would bite <laughs> and this big uh, mud or musk turtle bent the the metal bo- uh, plates that it was supposed to um, you know bite onto and it's supposed to flex the bitometer went to nine 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 and then it just crapped out that was it so some of these turtles can can bite I was gonna really guess hard. like a big like barber's map turtle or something like that like another mm. one of the mollusks um. Billy is his caught an alligator snapping turtle on the Schuylkill. You gotta see the photos of it. Yeah. Wow. I'll show you a picture right now. Wait, um, I'm not jealous. Sure this will keep in the. But this is um, and we're, we're, for those that don't know, alligator snappers should not be in <laughs> the Schuylkill River at all. Um, it is endemic to. There are now, they say, maybe four species of alligator snapping turtles, but they're all endemic to different uh, drainages. Of the southeast United States, from the Mississippi River uh, into uh, across into Florida. So, like, what probably southern Illinois would be the closest. Wow. So I was paddling. Um, I was writing. This is when I wrote articles for a local magazine called Grid, and we we're doing something about paddling on the Lower Schuylkill. <laughs> and so I see it. What I thought was a normal snapping yeah. turtle. And if you're someone like me, you're probably Tobias, if you mm-hmm. happen to see a snapping turtle... There's a response. You just can't let it sit there. Um, you so, jump. So I sort of jumped. As you can see the picture, I'm wet. Like, I jumped in the water. And this is my profile picture on the website for our podcast. Um, I jumped in the water, and, like, I remember looking at it as I was going in, thinking, there's something funny about that snapping turtle. And I picked it up, and I was like, holy cow, it's, a, it's an alligator snapper. And the one I'm holding is... Probably adult size for a common snapper, but for an alligator snapper, not quite full grown. Yeah, um, that, that's a solid twenty-five pound turtle right and it's there. A, and <clears throat> it does not belong there at all. Um, so we assume it was a released pet. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, and on that trip, I saw 
at least one, no, two, they're both introduced, two species have introduced, I mean, all these are North American species, but two species have introduced um, map turtles, uh, red earth sliders all over the place, um, and then I saw like one or two native turtles, um, and then I saw this. You put it, it back? I was in a kayak. What was I going to do with it? This is the people ask me this all the time. Like, did you, you put it back? And I was like, in a little one of those enclosed kayaks. I wasn't because <laughs> it's. Right. Oh, that's awesome! I guess you what do you do with an alligator snapping turtle when you're in a small vessel and you're not prepared to transport it? And what are you going to do with it when you get home? Like, put it in your bathtub, I guess. Like, so I was just like, yeah. all right, I'll put it back. Yeah. You call the fish and boat commission and have it yeah. at, at the dock. Yeah, I guess. I, but that, I guess you could yeah. put it in the kayak and try to keep it from coming out. But then, how, how would you transport? I've done that though. I've actually had a snapping turtle in the canoe, mm-hmm. um, and they they don't like it. Yeah. Um, and they, no. they they sort of. I have a great picture. I can dig and find it of a friend of mine. We were in a two person canoe. I had seen two snapping turtles, and honestly, it can be hard to tell if they're mating or fighting. Yeah. Um, and I jumped out, and they separated, and I grabbed one of them, and like just. Well, I think it was like toss it in the canoe. Let's go, you know, because we need to. We actually were collecting stuff for a, a nature walk the next day. We put everything back in nature walk, but it would be good to have a snapping turtle for this trip. Um, and and then like my friend Shoshi's in this canoe, and the snapping turtle like is like facing her and like sort of marching towards her, and she's like holding the oar, <laughs> like trying to block the turtle. Yeah. And so there, it, the next day we found one. We had a we had a, a pillowcase, but. Um, I, so, yeah, I, I love the fact that <laughs> that I could find that guy in the scoop. Tell you exactly where he is. You put a trap. Um, it is at the outflow of Mill Creek, which is an underground creek slash storm sewer uh, that flows through West Philly and exits at the Woodland Cemetery by the VA sort of near the University of Sciences and the VA Hospital that stretch of river. And it's going to come and, out a little bit warm, so if it stays there, it could probably right. Survive the so it's in, a, it's in a spot which is artificially warmed by this, this the stormwater outfall, um, and it's got a tidal river, which they do just fine. Freshwater tidal river, which slow moving water, wow. deep water. That's crazy. Um, there you go. So, um, well, I, 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 I want to just add to this conversation that we're talking a lot about uh, the the power and the bite force of, of these turtles. These are not aggressive turtles. Fair point. Yeah. These are defensive turtles, and the difference is they won't chase you down the street or try to ruin your day. They defend themselves. They they have what I like to call is a bubble. Right. If you get in their bubble, they will defend themselves. Um, and I've literally stepped on these things Me too. in the water, <laughs> and they will just run away. They or will swim, and they will try to hide. They'll pretend they're a rock. They'll like pull their legs yeah. in. And they sort of. Sit they down. have no interest in messing with us. It's only when you grab them, if they're on land, if you corner them, if you're the aggressor, they will they will defend themselves. Yeah, but they're they same are same as brown snakes. Same as brown snakes. Uh, but they're they're and actually when they're little, especially they'll musk on you. Um, That's the smell of success. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I use the exact same expression. Uh, <laughs> it's true. You know you've had a good day if you smell like snapping turtle musk. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's a great way to end. Um, so with that, uh, again, um, we hope you any like, more topics. Unless there's any more. Oh yeah, we're going to throw them anecdotes or. Themes you want to get in here? 
I, I think I think we're probably good. I mean, I could talk all day about about snapping turtles and frogs. <laughs> we got and, an yeah, hour and a half, see, but I'm probably gonna cut this in half. If you want to see snapping turtles, come to Philadelphia. Come to John High's National Wildlife Refuge. Oh Lord, yeah. Walk out on that boardwalk. It's like you know, 200 mm-hmm. meters from the parking lot. And you just park yourself and look and down. And you the will water. see a snapping turtle, guaranteed. And if the water yeah. levels are low, you'll see. Sometimes you'll see their footprints and their paths in the mud. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're 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 all over the place. People, I mean, like they uh, the Centennial Lakes. So the these little ponds, man-made ponds that are about 130, 140 years old, um, that are in the West Park section of the parks in West Philly. Um, Tom Whitmer was telling me when they dredged it, they pulled out a bunch of big snapping turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in Cobbs Creek. Um, they're, they're, well, they're the, the John Hines, I mean, it's got to be legendary because everybody tells me that that's where they are. Really in ridiculous numbers. I just big ones. Yeah. I had um, well, I want to, I want to come back when I have more <laughs> data on snapping turtles because we're, we're starting a project where we're looking at the, the genetics and the, uh, the toxins and pollutants in snapping turtle soup. So we're going to be going around to all places in Philadelphia buying the snapping turtle soup and doing tests on the meat because... Are just, you going to test whether it's actually snapping turtle meat? Yes. Okay. We're doing the genetics to see if it's snapping turtle because we know that there's a lot of um, faux, faux turtle <laughs> or... Um, what do they call Mock that? turtle. Mock turtle. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it... A previous study has shown that there it can be veal, it can be turkey, it can be a soft shell turtle, it can be all kinds of things. Um, so, but we're also interested in where it comes from in the population of snapping turtles. Um, but we really want to know if it's safe to eat because these things grow old. They are at the top of the food chain. They concentrate um, toxins. They live in unbelievably polluted waters. And so they are filled with lead and zinc uh, and a lot of other things that are really bad for people to eat. And I know that the chefs around Philly don't want to poison their customers. And so uh, that's that's our next project that, that we're starting. That, and that's a different take on urban wildlife. But it's still urban wildlife. It still is. People eating. Because these are wild caught, right? People don't farm snap turtles, right? There, there is a little bit of a. Uh, I talked to a guy down in the Italian market who sells uh, snapping turtle. Uh, he's got a great shop. I, I wish I knew the name of it. I bought some wild boar uh, salami from him that was out of this world. Anyways, <laughs> he sells snapping turtle, and it's a byproduct of of uh, ranching alligators. So uh, if you set up, yeah, if you set up an alligator breeding operation for alligator meat. You're gonna have snapping turtles in there because you can't keep them out, and yeah. so then they harvest them. Is that why we probably only have one species of like common snapping turtle because they disperse so well that they're mixing? You know, while it's hard to isolate them. Yeah, or could there be? Yeah, you know, I, a, a good a good friend of mine. You know, he he'll probably tell you that uh, that the Florida snapper is a different thing. Um, and there are uh, Central American snapping Central turtles. Central American ones, yeah. Um, so th- there are there are different lineages, uh, but they are amazing dispersers for sure. 
It was cool. It was um, being a bird walk in this section of um, College Creek Park, but there was like, this, um, they just daylit the stream um, only like a couple years ago, and um, already a massive snapping turtle in there, and it's a little trickle. Where? Mm-hmm. Indian Creek. Up by, oh, by Morris Park. Yeah, on the, on the this is the west side. Yes, yeah, so that's a tributary Cop to Cops Creek. Yeah, so that and it was the, underground until fairly recently. They were probably there. So yeah. this is one of the things I'm curious about the underground part. I talked to well, I talked to a guy, um, a historical researcher, or emailed with him a historical researcher of Philly's waterways, including the underground waterways, mm-hmm. um, and he made some comment once in an episode about sewer workers talking about seeing like. But what they're scared of is they're scared mm. of the snakes and the rats, that kind of thing. I'm like, wait a second, they're snakes? And so, like, and he was like, and he, he clarified only at sort of the sort of headwater parts, um, not deep into the mm-hmm. sewer, the, the stormwater mm. pipes. Um, and I've wondered about that because the, the trick is for that kind of thing where it's like a stream going into a culvert, I totally buy it. Um, maybe up into the headwaters, they're around. Because it's a, I mean, it's a tunnel. It's warm, relatively speaking, in the winter. Tons of stuff gets washed in there. I don't know yeah, if it's... Yeah. It's going to be interesting, too, talking about cave or weird salamanders mm. in that if, you know, if we don't <laughs> if we destroy ourselves and humans are what follows humans, you know, we persist for hundreds of thousands of years, we probably will have cave salamanders specific to... Cities, 